Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. One of the classic lines of New Testament scripture is when Paul, anticipating martyrdom, declares, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And surely he did remain faithful to the vision. But when did he receive this heavenly vision? And can we enter into the same vision? Welcome to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. I'm very much looking forward to this message, and I'm happy that we have Dennis Agashi back once again to enjoy it and help us once more as we open up another gem hidden in the book of Acts. Welcome back, Dennis. Thank you, Chris. Our program today is the second of three concerning the dynamic conversion of Saul of Tarsus, of course, later to become the Apostle Paul. Let's review the setting a little bit and focus, if you would, on the kind of person that Paul was even before becoming a Christian. We can see, Chris, that Paul was a very learned man in Hebrew religion, in the Greek culture, and in Roman politics. In fact, later on in Galatians 1, he tells us that he was even advanced in Judaism beyond his contemporaries, and he was exceedingly zealous for the tradition of his father. So he was a highly educated, cultured, and zealous person. At a particular time, because of his religion and his zealousness for the Judaistic religion, he wanted to excessively devastate the church. And in fact, he even himself says that he excessively ravaged the church. In Acts 9-1, he was breathing, threatening, and murder. This was his life. His full-time occupation was to persecute the church, persecute the believers. Why? Not because he was sinful, but because of his religion. He probably thought all these believers were just traitors and defectors from Judaism, so he was so zealous to persecute them. This is the background of Acts chapter 9. Dennis, these are incredible adjectives to be attaching to the person that became the Apostle Paul, ravaged, devastate threatenings, even murder right. related to the saints of God. Right. This, uh, what a demonstration of the power of God's full and complete salvation. Amen. We agree with that. Let's join Witness Lee, Dennis, for our first portion today. So for three days, he didn't eat anything. And for three days, he didn't drink anything. I'd like to ask you what he did in the three days when the Lord came to Ananias. And told Ananias, a man by the name Saul from Tarsus, she got caught by me. She will be my chosen vessel. While the Lord was talking to Ananias about Saul, Saul was praying there. What he did in those three days? Praying, fasting, not fasting from food, but fasting from seeing anything. He won't see anything. He won't eat anything. He won't drink anything. 
He was praying to do what? He was praying to analyze Jesus. Jesus, what the meaning? Jesus, buried yet from heaven. What is this? Jesus. I persecuted him. 72 hours, he was praying about all this. Don't you believe vision after vision, revelation after revelation came upon him. Just like today's videotape. He saw all, all the things. He saw, he saw, oh, 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 that man, Nazarene, by the name of Jesus. Oh, he is Jehovah. Oh, he is my Savior. Oh, huh. no wonder, no wonder his followers strongly told people, including me, that that Jesus resurrected. No wonder. Now, surely he is resurrected because he came back to me from the heavens. And his ascension speaks a lot of his incarnation, of his human living, of his crucifixion, of his death, of his resurrection. Surely, if he is now in heavens, surely he passed through all these processes. Surely he passed through all these steps. 72 hours, he was kneeling there. No seeing, no eating, no drinking, but praying. I do believe, while he was praying, my, the heavenly television. Oh, he saw all the views was being played to him. Oh, he saw all the views of the heavenly TV. Oh, Jesus, Nazarene is Jehovah. Oh, he's the Savior. Oh, I don't have any doubt about his resurrection because now he is in heaven speaking to me. As I don't have any doubt about his resurrection, I have no doubt about his death. I have no doubt about his incarnation. I have no doubt about anything he had passed through. He got a full message of the gospel. Not only so, he also got to see this Jesus, who is Jehovah, who is my Savior, who died, who was resurrected, and so forth. Now he is one with all the followers, because I didn't persecute him. I persecuted his followers, yet he said I persecuted him. So he must be one with his followers. He did not only hear a message concerning his salvation, he heard a message concerning the body of Christ. Me, incorporate me. Why you persecuted me? Me. Now, this me, personally speaking, is in heavens, but a corporate being, sit on the earth. When you persecuted my followers, you persecuted my body. That's me. That's the corporate me, the great me. I tell you just it's two words Jesus, me. Just these two words. One day we will meet Paul. You check with him. He would. Uh, have been in all those 72 hours analyzing these two words. Me, 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 Jesus. Even today, we can understand so much. Then how about him? 
Dennis, this is quite a picture of the experience of Saul, or later Paul. After he was saved directly by the Lord, he remained blinded for those three days. And during this time, we were told that he did not eat or drink, but he only prayed. Surely, he had so much revealed to him by the Lord during this concentrated time. But let's focus on this vision of the corporate Christ. Review for us this revelation that Paul received and that he later conveyed to us in the epistles. It's interesting, Chris, that the Lord blinded Saul for the reason that Saul's being could become unoccupied and he could consider what happened to him. His outer eyes were blinded, but at the same time, his inner eyes were full of sight. A lot of things were going on in Saul at this point of time. I think he began to see. Of course, the verse is so clear in Acts chapter 9 that when Saul was there on the way to Damascus, ready to threaten more believers. A great light flashed around him. The voice came, and astonishingly, Paul heard, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not, why are you persecuting my disciples? Why are you persecuting my representatives? Why are you persecuting my believers? No, Saul heard, why are you persecuting me? This was an astonishing, even extraordinary statement by the Lord Jesus. Then right away he said, Who are you, Lord? So these two words, as Witness Lee has pointed out, me and Lord are two crucial, crucial words in this portion. Dennis, I want to pick up a point here. Uh, this is, as you said, an extraordinary utterance by the Lord and became the source of a profound, almost, there's not a word strong enough to describe the vision that this imparted ultimately into the Apostle Paul. That's correct. This is a kernel. This is the heart of the vision and the revelation of the whole New Testament. That's correct. Flows out of this revelation. Absolutely. One of the verses you referred to in uh, chapter 9, verse 4, in the recovery version, which, of course, we refer to most often on this program, there's a footnote that I think bears presenting to our listeners just to strengthen this point. Let me read this footnote, Dennis. It's, uh, again, Acts chapter 9, verse 4. And he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Footnote 1 on the word me. A corporate me comprising Jesus the Lord and all his believers. Saul did not have this revelation. He thought that he was persecuting Stephen and other Jesus followers who were in the way, which he considered heresy. He did not know that when he persecuted these, he persecuted Jesus, for they were one with him by being united to him through their faith in him. He considered that he was persecuting people on earth, never thinking that he touched anyone in heaven. To his great surprise, a voice from heaven told him that he was the one whom he was persecuting, and that his name was Jesus. To him, this was a unique revelation in the universe. By this, he began to see that the Lord Jesus and his believers are one great person, the wonderful me. This must have impressed and affected him for his future ministry concerning Christ and the church as the great mystery of God. That's Ephesians 5.32. And laid a solid foundation for his unique ministry. A wonderful footnote, Dennis. Right. How can we say enough about this point? This point is truly amazing, Chris, that 
Saul, at the very point of his conversion, saw this heavenly vision. And this is the vision, the heavenly vision, that controlled him, that governed him, that was the impetus for his whole Christian life. Paul was on a quest in his Christian life to gain such a Christ. It's so interesting, Chris, that Paul, prior to believing in the Lord, was a persecutor of the Lord. And then when he became a believer of the Lord, Philippians mentioned that he wanted to pursue this Lord, even to the point of persecute him in a positive way. He wanted to know this very Christ that he had persecuted. But the revelation here in this footnote, I just want to come back to what Witness Lee has mentioned. This revelation, unique revelation in this universe, is about this one great, wonderful person, this me. In other words, what the Lord Jesus was saying is that if you touch the believers on the earth, you touch him in the heavens. To touch the believers is to touch the Lord Jesus. That means the Lord Jesus in the heavens and the believers on the earth are one great, wonderful person, this me. Well, Dennis, we're going to uh, come back to this point again before we leave the life study of Acts completely. Again, in tomorrow's program, we will see it once more. Right now, let's go back to Witness Lee for another portion and another incredible gem from the life study of Acts. And you have to realize what he was praying in those 72 hours, the essential spirit was there within him already. At the time when he called Lord, he got saved. Because he told us, whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he called. He didn't know the Lord. Yet he called, Lord, who are you? I'm Jesus. I think he got shot. She got shot to be a, a kind of a crazy. Well, he was crazy. Hallelujah. The essential spirit entered into his being. Tell me, otherwise, how come after he went back, he did nothing? He just prayed. That spirit, the essential spirit, was working within him. So he didn't have any interest to know things outwardly, to eat anything, to drink anything, but his interest under the uh, inspiration of the essential spirit was just to pray, to get into the real significance of the things he saw from the heavens and of the voice he heard from the heavens. He heard a full gospel. Not on the gospel of salvation, but also the gospel concerning the body of Christ. In his ministry, he was so strong in teaching the body of Christ. You have to realize such a term has never been used by Peter, neither by John, nor by other writers of the New Testament. Paul is the unique one who uses this term, the body of Christ. And he stressed this thing emphatically to the uttermost because at the time of his conversion, he heard the message concerning the body. He heard the message concerning the culprit me. Right away after he got saved, the Lord gave him some education. The Lord said to him, Saul, you need someone representing my body to come to confirm that I have saved you. 
to confirm that I have chosen you, to confirm that I have called you. You need some representative from my body to confirm you to such an extent. Not only so, and you need a representative from my body to bring you into the identification with my body. We'll see in the second half of chapter 9, after he got saved, he went to Jerusalem, near nobody dared to see him. Nobody. Listen to what Ananias answered the Lord. Ananias said, Lord, I heard a lot of things. How many evil things he did to your callers without the Lord going to Ananias directly and instructing him what to do with Saul Tarsus. I tell you, no one among the believers at that time would recognize Saul as a brother. By doing this, the Lord gave him a very good education. The education, the instruction in what? In practicing the body life. Again, in this chapter, as in chapter 8, with the Samaritans, the head of the body held back the economical spirit. In this chapter, the head of the body held back the economical spirit until a typical representative from the body coming to him. At that juncture, the economical spirit came upon him, fell upon him to be the strongest evidence that he got saved and he got accepted by the head into the body as a member, as a particular member that will bear such a heavy commission to minister God's New Testament economy to the entire gentle world. Now he becomes one with the head. Now he becomes one with the body. Now he is a part of the body, a member of the body. Now he is qualified to receive the heavenly commission to complete the word of God's New Testament economy. This is his word in Colossians 1.26. Without Paul's 14 epistles, God's New Testament economy or revelation could never be completed. But hallelujah. You could see in the New Testament, among 27 books, 14 were written by Paul to complete God's New Testament economy by Peter and his company's ministry, that was just a kind of initiation. That was not a kind of completion. Now, here is another vessel chosen by God to carry out God's New Testament economy. And eventually, God's wisdom put him into prison, and he got the time to write the last few epistles, which all of them are so crucial to God's New Testament economy. Okay? I didn't cover the word vessel. The Lord told Ananias, this soft Tarsus is a chosen 
vessel. A vessel is not a tool, not a weapon, not a hammer, not a saw. A vessel is a container. In Romans 9, Paul told us even human beings were made vessels to contain God. In Timothy, he talked about the vessel again. And even Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he says, we have a treasure in the earthen vessel. This indicates the Lord's intention was to uh, fill Saul up with himself, making him a top vessel among all the vessels. By all these verses, in uh, Romans 9, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, and in Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul uses the word vessel, and uh, he developed this word in the spiritual significance. You have to realize he got this word through the mouth of Ananias. Ananias surely should have told him what the Lord has told Ananias, that uh, this Saul of Tarsus has been chosen by the Lord not just to be his apostle, his slave, his servant, his minister, but also his vessel. The Lord didn't use other terms, only one, chosen vessel. He's going to contain me, you see, and his ministry is to contain me and convey me to the gentle world. This person is a composition of the three elements of the ancient culture. So he was fully adequate to be such a vessel. Hallelujah. Such a composed man was adequate to be an earthen vessel to contain the all-inclusive Christ. I say again, dear saints, to study the Bible, not just to learn the letters. You see, you must get some insight with the uh, spiritual vision that you could see things underneath the black and white. Just like the Lord Jesus, when he expounded Exodus 3, by this divine title, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, by this divine title, he saw, the Lord saw, resurrection there. There's no such a word, resurrection, but the fact was there. So you just read the letters, you couldn't see the thing. But if you have the insight with the heavenly revelation, surely you see resurrection is implied in this divine title. The same thing. We are not going to allegorize the Bible. We are not just going to infer the Bible, but we are going to see the heavenly visions through the study of the written word of God. Now you must see these three words. Me, Jesus, and the vessel. And you must see this person is a composition of the three elements of the ancient culture.
so he was fully adequate to be such a vessel. Dennis, we've mentioned before that chapter 9 seems like a simple enough chapter with the main item of the conversion of the great Saul of Tarsus. But it reveals so many significant and deeper things like the corporate Christ and the chosen vessel for God's economy. But to really see these deeper things, we ourselves need this same heavenly vision like the Apostle Paul, don't we? Absolutely. This heavenly vision was not just for the Apostle Paul. This heavenly vision can become ours, Chris. In fact, in Galatians, Paul mentions in Galatians 1.15 and verse 16 that it pleased God to reveal his Son. This is the very Son of God in Paul. The Lord's intention, God's good pleasure, is that Christ would be revealed in us. And Chris, when we compare this to the last question, we can see that the intention and the desire of God's heart is that Christ would be revealed in us. In fact, the New Testament is just an explanation and a revelation of this one divine fact, that Christ as the head is one with the believers as his body. The entire New Testament just describes this very divine reality in the universe. We can see from the entire New Testament, Chris, that God's economy, God's intention, God's desire is not that we would just be good, faithful believers, but that Christ would be revealed in us until we have the impression and, in fact, the reality that affects our life and our living. He actually, Chris, wants to be our life, our living, our everything. This is God's economy. This is God's plan that Christ would be revealed to us. And, in fact, another verse later on in Acts twenty six eighteen, Paul's eyes were open initially, but his commission was to open others' eyes. And so our eyes can see also the heavenly vision that Paul received, a vision that would control us, a vision that would govern us. What is this vision? This vision is of Christ as the head and the church as his body, as the wonderful content of God's New Testament revelation today. A companion point, Dennis, to this revelation that Witness Lee covered in this last section was that for this purpose, for the accomplishment of this purpose, God is choosing particular vessels That's correct. to fill and ultimately utilize for the accomplishment of such a great purpose. Amen. Dennis, we have uh, run out of time again today. Another uh, life study that I think could have gone on for much more time if we had the luxury of having it. So probably our best option is to refer our listeners to the life study message in its entirety because it's going to cover this with a lot more detail and depth and clarity probably than you and I have been able to achieve in our time together. I wholeheartedly agree. The life studies from Genesis to Revelation give us a penetrating and piercing explanation of God's economy. Call us at our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Or request it when you write to us. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Today, for Dennis Agashi, I am Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. 
publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.